Hey, really good friends. This podcast contains adult content and language. Listen with care. Hello. And welcome to Historically Really Good Friends, a queer history podcast. I am Rachel Craig. And I'm Jared Femblo. And hello. And hello, hello. To, our, to our newest listener. You know who you are. Hi. Yeah, you specifically, the one newest the listener. The one that's listening. The one that's the newest listener. Welcome. Welcome. Hello. Hi. I am. I'm doing? the new I'm I'm filling in for the <laughs> newest <you>. listener. <laughs> I'm filling in for the newest listener. You know what that okay. reminded me of that I don't What? It's like a I guess sort of a quote, but it always makes me nervous when people are like there's never such a thing as the present, you know, when it's like you're, huh? you're, do you, hold on, I don't remember exactly what it is, <laughs> but it's like, because the newest listener thing reminded me, it's like, there's uh-huh. never a present because you're always in the past, I can't remember what I was. That doesn't you, make you sense. You have no idea what I'm talking about? No, it does make sense <laughs> no. if you really think about it, because it's like, what I'm saying right now is now it's in the past. I said it. It's done. Great, but I'm. <laughs> it doesn't make sense because as it's like you're time saying, ticks on. No, right, but as you're saying it, I'm like I, no. I'm, I'm here with you in the moment. But then I'm, it's in the past. Right, but, <laughs> but only when you think about it being in the past. Like I, when you talk, I am registering it at the same exact time as it's happening. Sure, but then it's gone. Right. Yes, <laughs> nobody's denying that. Yes, right, so that's it's how like, it happens. It's like there's, there's the present is just the current moment. It's happening right now. Everything but, that has happened already is is in the past. It's gone. Okay, right, so I don't remember it... the quote. <laughs> so maybe I'm completely saying it wrong because it yeah. made sense to okay. me when I first heard it, but clearly it doesn't. And that's what's important, I guess. <laughs> Thanks for that validation. It just reminded me of the newer listen, newest listener thing because mm-hmm. in that example, same thing. Maybe it's like you're never as young as you are right in this moment. So the, sure, that's, you're that's... the newest listener only for just a moment. <laughs> okay, okay, I kind of see where the connection is with you that see? one. I didn't get the last one, but yes, I understand. It's for this specific moment, you're the newest listener, and right. then, and now you're not. Right, because we're in such high demand. I bet mm-hmm. you you've been surpassed already. <laughs> mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's bound to happen. Right, right. So that was the connection that I made. <laughs> right, and I would also like to extend a very warm welcome to our oldest listener. Yes, oldest both in age and first mm-hmm. listener, unless they're the same. the same. Yeah, unless unless they are the same. So welcome, and we're glad to have you back. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> this is a mess. We're welcome, though. I I really appreciate mm-hmm. it. If you're new, this it just gets better. Well, I can't. We can't make promises. Do you make promises a lot that you can't keep? Oh, oh, constantly. <laughs> constantly. Okay. So, so this is this is normal for you? Yes. Oh, constantly. Anytime okay. I make a plan. You should know any plans you make with me are tentative. Not you know? even. They're canceled. It's, 
as soon you know as I said yes, I'm I'm really in my head. I'm saying I'm not going to. Them. We're saying yes in the present, but as soon as we stop saying yes, it's in the past, in the past. and it's all, and, and it's instantly a no. It was a yes yes. in the moment. It was a yes for that moment. (laughs) Exactly. And that moment has passed and we're in a new moment. We're in the future now. Future me says no. Future future me can't trust current past me. Correct. You're right. You can't trust how I'm feeling in the moment. Yeah, because present me doesn't exist. No. (laughs) No, That's not true. It's all coming back. (laughs) Only future you doesn't exist. Unless you believe in like time travel. No, no, no. Future me has to exist. Why? Not like future in no, hold on, stop. (laughs) Future you, future you has to exist because you're why? Because like tomorrow, uh huh. Like that's we don't know if we're gonna make it to stop it. We don't know. Okay, Okay. but in two minutes, stop it. We don't know that. Okay, an arrow could come flying through my window at any moment in sub in suburban New Jersey and not well. Well, I live in urban Los Angeles. I was going to say, maybe actually it is more likely, maybe it is more likely in suburban New Jersey that an arrow will just come flying, just come flying. Someone on a wild hunt. Yeah. Yeah. Quite a, there's, there's some of those around. There's some hunters around, I guess. Have you ever hunted? Oh God, no. Would you? I could never. I would never either. No, no. And I, I, sorry, I don't mean to say that in like a judgmental way. No, do, do it. I, well, okay. Here's my opinion. Okay. If you, because I know you're eager, you're just on the edge of your seat. Oh, if you hunt, I mm-hmm. I hope that it's serving a financial, religious, cultural, or like sustainable sure purpose for you. You yes. know what I mean? Yes. yes. If yes. you're if you're like trophy hunting or just get wrapped. doing it for fun. Mm-hmm. Or for sport or like, because that's your fun family trip for one weekend in October. I find that to be a little distasteful. I'm really sorry. I can't can't understand it. Go play a board game or go watch a movie. Exactly. Or just fight like the rest of us. I mean, you don't need to go out in the middle of the woods and go hunting. Right. Go to a shooting range if you really need to set off a gun. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I just... I don't know. I I don't totally see the purpose in it for mm-hmm. those reasons. And mm-hmm. they actually kind of make me a little bit sad. And there are certainly a lot of hunters here in New Jersey because we've got mm-hmm. got some bears. We've got some deers. Mm-hmm. What else? But you know what? Tell, tell, what like, other animals do we have? Inventory the entire ecosystem of New okay. Jersey. There's some snakes. Poisonous mm-hmm. ones are rattlesnakes, copperhead snakes, mm-hmm. I think we have here. True. Yes. Is that true? Is that correct? Mm-hmm. It is. Um, I think that that's it. We also have gardener snakes. I don't <laughs> that's like... it. It's, it's bears, Those deers, and snake. <laughs> and snake. Snakes. Sn- one snake. <laughs> we in New Jersey only have yeah, one. We currently have an infestation of the, oh, I never asked you this, of the lanternflies. Do you have those? Do you have those what lanternflies? What's a lanternfly? <gasps> Do you not have... Lanternflies in California? What's a lanternfly? A oh firefly? Oh my gosh. No, 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 no. They're an invasive species. You have to kill them. They're everywhere here right now. Oh no, I don't know what that too. is. I mean, maybe I'm just ignorant. Well, I'll explain if, if you, since you don't know and maybe other people don't. So there's this invasive species that has somehow made its way to New Jersey and surrounding areas so they're invasive of what uh like trees they will like eat eat through trees eat through like every they're really bad and they multiply like crazy they're literally everywhere you just gotta stomp them oh no you used to have to you used to have to like 
kill them and then report where they were and like the sightings uh-huh, to uh-huh. the but there's state too many now. so that they can there's too many it's just oh, like yeah. stomp on them and yeah, don't yeah, even yeah. don't even think twice okay i'll keep an eye out i'll be california's defender of firefly no what is it called lanternfly no, spotted, spotted, lan- lan- spotted, spotted lantern spotted lantern yes okay. keep an eye out they're spotted and they have red on them just smush them have you heard of google <laughs> i have did you know google's okay. free i'll look it up on a little thing yeah, called bing.com.gov perfect do you have anything else that you want to update the people about before we jump in i really don't think so i think i go off the rails a little bit with my updates i don't think i have anything <laughs> left to share do you have any no books no podcasts no recommendations recs. no shows no recs well actually now that you say it i watched the documentary bad vegan on netflix i would love opinions on that genuinely um <laughs> because i formed one opinion then read a bunch of reviews and those people did not share my opinion oh. and so now i don't know are you wrong if or are my you brain right? is that's what I mean. Is my brain just warped in some way? Yes. But has that affected mm-hmm. my movie watching experience? Yes. Potentially. So those things. And then also podcast. I went back and listened to Serial because of all mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. new those news stories. But Serial Productions made another podcast. One called Nice White Parents and one called um, The Trojan Horse Affair. Both mm-hmm. very good both very very good same vein as cereal both very good okay i haven't heard of either of them so i'll have to check them out and i'll have to check out bad vegan so then i can form an opinion i'll tell you my opinion and we'll see if we agree perfect and if we do we'll take on the rest of the world that apparently doesn't agree with you totally yeah i as you can tell i like documentaries but this one is a very interesting one even if you don't share my opinion mm-hmm. about it it'll keep you engaged it's like four episodes you're oh you sweet can, what's yeah. what's it on it is on this woman no, without no. giving too much away. So what? sorry. What streaming oh. service is it on? Oh, it's on Netflix. <laughs> it's on Netflix. Yeah, no, don't give it away. It's on my woman's TV next door. <laughs> okay. um, I watch it through her window. Um, uh-huh. Sorry. I So I'm not sure what streaming <laughs> service it's on because it's really just on her it's bedroom It's a little blurry. Wall. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. why it's hard to form an opinion. You you can't really exactly. see. It's hard to hear. I don't have the sound. Yeah. <laughs> You're reading lips. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. So really, I just want someone else to tell me what <laughs> they watched. <laughs> what, it, what it's about and how do I feel about it? Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> okay. Yes, yes, yes. Okay. Let me do that. I'll report back to you. Amazing. And let you know how we collectively feel. Amazing. And how about you? The only podcast that I've really been listening to is I Said No Gifts with Bridger Weiniger. It is Exactly Right Media. Bridger, who is the host, always has a guest on. He always tells them not to bring him a gift and they're always disrespectful and they then bring him a gift. And so it's them looking at the gift, talking about the gift, just chit-chatting, all comedians for the most part. Very funny, very fun. It's like an hour, maybe a little more each episode. It's like very light. A nice palate cleanser. Interesting. Okay. Did we talk about this before? That sounds so familiar to me. But I don't know how I would have stumbled upon that on my own. But that sounds really interesting. I'm so sorry if we have. But if we haven't, then check it out. It's good. Yeah. Okay. I will. Will do. Amazing. And that's that's all I have on on my Those are your recs. Speaking about playing things on your phone, such as podcasts, I would like you to cue up diana ross's hit single i don't know if that's true hit song i think i'm coming out 
because today, Rachel, you and I are going to be talking about coming out. Oh, I am so excited. And I wish I was able to cue up that song right now, but we can't. So cue I'll it sing it in, in my mind. head. Yeah. Yeah. As you, you get us rolling with the story. Great. So let, let's get rolling. The reason, everyone, I want to talk about coming out is because every October 11th, so the day before this episode airs, is National Coming Out Day, and it's observed every single year on October 11th. We missed it by just a day. But I want to delve deeper into what it means to come out, what National Coming Out Day is and how it started, and why the concept of coming out has some controversy surrounding it. Controversy? Controversy. Dun, dun, dun. Okay. All right. Now, this is the point of my story where I usually would cite my sources. There's four million of them. So if you want to see the sources that I'm using for this episode, I'm just going to direct you right into the show notes, the description of this episode, wherever you're listening. We put all of our links in there so you can go directly to those articles and read them if you'd like. They're there for you. That being said... Let's start with what it means to come out of the closet. Feels like a good place to start for this sure, topic. Sure, yeah. Yeah, so, that like also that coming out is just an extension of that phrase because we don't even say it anymore. Right, who has the time to say coming out of the closet? So many words. <laughs> so coming out of the closet is simply a metaphor used to describe queer people's self-disclosure. So voluntary disclosure of their sexual orientation, romantic orientation, or their gender identity. This shouldn't be confused with being outed, which is when a queer person's sexual or gender identity is either accidentally or deliberately disclosed by someone else without that person's consent. Typically, queer people who are open about their sexual or gender identity, meaning those who have revealed it or are no longer concealing it, are quote-unquote, out of the closet, or out. And conversely, those who still conceal or keep that identity a secret are in the closet, the proverbial closet. It's possible to be out of the closet to certain people while remaining in the closet to others. And like most things related to being queer, is that it's not always binary. There's never going to be you're fully out or you're fully in. I think something that a lot of non-queer people don't realize is that coming out isn't one big singular moment where you like declare your identity and then never have to say it again. You know, queer people are constantly coming out. The more people you meet, the more times you have to decide, like, do I have to tell this person? Should I let them in? Like, do I have to make it a thing? And it happens with all types of people. So it's like new friends, strangers, neighbors, doctors, like truly any situation you can think of, there's always that decision going on for a queer person. Like, do I come out right now to this new person? Do I let this stranger into my life? Right. And in what capacity, I think, and I can't really speak on it, but like, do you do that? Because I know a lot of people might, you know, when people think of coming out, it Mm -hmm. might as like that one moment that might be personal for your family and friends but then maybe as you get older and you're making new friends or co-workers or whatever could it be things like you would say my girlfriend or my boyfriend like as a means right. of coming out or is it like is that different for everyone like could you is that is that sort of a form of coming out yeah absolutely so coming out doesn't have to be like i was saying this like a really formal declaration mm-hmm. where you say like 
I am queer. Like, this is my identity. Like, at work, right. when I start a new job and I start to get to know coworkers, like, uh, if they can't tell or they make assumptions or whatever, right. until I confirm by saying, like, oh, I went on a date with a guy or, oh, I think right. he's cute. Or, you know, until we get into right. those conversations, there's there's no, I guess, confirmation of it. Yeah. But when I say those smaller, more subtle things, right. then that's kind of my way of being like, BT dubs, I like men. Yeah. And I appreciate that only because like, I think those moments too, that like for non-queer people, we don't always recognize as like moments of trust or bravery that like they're right. demonstrating in, in that like space because mm-hmm. it still is coming out and like making a choice to say like you're a safe enough person that I can right. share this with or I feel comfortable to share this piece with you even though it's not that big declaration so still like bearing that in mind too that like that's still something important that just happened even yeah. briefly and the act of you know coming out is very complex you know, there's mm-hmm. never just like one easy decision or like way to do it. And right. as stated on the Wikipedia page for coming out, you know, the complexity of someone's decision is articulated when they write that coming out can be either, quote, decision making or risk taking, a strategy or plan, a mass or public event, a speech act, and a matter of personal identity, a rite of passage, liberation or emancipation from oppression, but also an ordeal, a means towards feeling gay pride instead of shame and social stigma, or even a career-threatening act, end quote. So it's all of these things. So there is a lot to weigh in coming out, and sometimes it's easier to maybe do it in a more subtle way because we don't know what the repercussions are. We don't know what consequences are going to come from that. And while there certainly are a wide range of risks and dangers of coming out, The American Psychological Association has found that through their research, coming out is an important psychological step for queer people. Being able to discuss one's sexuality or gender identity in a positive, supportive setting fosters great well-being and mental health. So like you're saying, have those people that you feel safe enough with or assume Mm -hmm. you will be safe with is extremely important in not just being comfortable or being open, but specifically for mental health and like your whole health and happiness and being. Totally, because it can be really exhausting. Like if you imagine if you're a non-queer person listening to this, like imagining having to exist your whole life, not being able to be your authentic self around certain people, keeping track of which people and Mm -hmm. feeling those reasons every time you're with that person it can be really tiring it can be really exhausting and draining of of life to live and so it totally being able to demonstrate that you're an open person to welcome a disclosure or coming out Mm -hmm. i think is really important in supporting people in your life who are queer right to understand the complexities of the act itself i want to discuss another piece of the puzzle So for those who don't know and somehow missed it in our introduction, this is a queer history podcast. So I want to go over the etymology of coming out. So in 2022, we know the closet metaphor to mean a kind of coming out of hiding, right? Coming out of the shadows and being your authentic self instead of being private about it, being public about it. But the phrase isn't really seen in the English lexicon until the 1960s, when it gains popularity amongst the ballroom scene, which we've talked about before. In author George Chauncey's 1994 book, Gay New York, he writes, quote, 
A gay man's coming out originally referred to his being formally presented to the largest collective manifestation of pre-war gay society, the enormous drag balls that were patterned on the debutante and masquerade balls of the dominant culture and were regularly held in New York, Chicago, New Orleans, Baltimore, and other cities, end quote. So the phrase literally derives from when young upper-class women would come out in the debutante right. scene and be like officially formally introduced into society now having reached the age for marriage that's so interesting that is so interesting and a completely new fact i just learned this moment and i find that fascinating and so the drag balls or gay debutante balls were a matter of public record, sometimes being covered in queer publications. So coming out in this context really meant revealing your sexual or gender identity to a wider society if your name or photo appears in one of these publications. However, at the same time, the term coming out at this point in history doesn't necessarily refer to someone concealing or revealing their identity. If you come out to the ball scene, this doesn't mean that you've told everyone your identity or vice versa. Right. As we discussed with the Hanky Code, being a friend of Dorothy, and even with Marie Antoinette, there have always been other ways to signal to other queer people what your sexuality is. Putting your hair up. That's another phrase that queer men would use when talking about being reserved or hidden from straight people, but then they would let their hair down or drop hairpins for other queer people. And as we discussed in season one, in the episode where I talked about reclaiming the word queer, I went over a sort of timeline of queer labels in the 20th century, and we discussed that in the early 20th century, pre-World War II, gay men were focused on coming into the queer society or... Mm -hmm a queer identity into what they might call like a homosexual society or gay world. The intention wasn't coming out of a small confined space, but rather entering somewhere else completely. Mm. The focus was never on, you know, coming out, which insinuates being in somewhere else. The act was going into another world rather than coming from oh. one into another. So okay, okay. now we kind of see the shift of being somewhere else and coming out of it, whereas before it was mm. just existing and then going into this new identity. Yeah, do you have thoughts on that? It feels now. I do. Of course I do. Okay, okay. I'd love to hear them if you care to share. <laughs> it feels like, based on history and just based on how I grew up and how I came out and how I felt, by having certain terms or phrasing things a certain way, by being in a closet, by being put in a closet, because it never felt like I was in somewhere else until I realized mm -hmm. what the term was or until I realized what was right. going on. Then I felt separated. It was like everybody else was out in this room and all of a sudden I was just shoved into this really small, oppressive, uncomfortable place. Right. So it was like without the phrasing of you know the closet without yeah. the metaphor I don't know if I would have felt so mm. cut off from the rest of people because it was only until I learned about the phrase and learned that I was different by this phrase that I realized that I wasn't with the majority I wasn't with everyone else right yeah you know I appreciate you sharing that from like your perspective too because I 
hearing those differences in phrases made me think the same thing. And from the perspective of a non-queer person not having to have ever come out, I do think that language is really important in the way that we say things. Because you're right, at least from this perspective and from a lot of people, I think would view that as it's so othering and Mm -hmm. it's essentially putting the responsibility on queer people to acknowledge that their identity is different than Mm -hmm. quote unquote the norm. Mm -hmm. And so therefore they must disclose that. And again, if not, they're subjected to like live in a closet to blend in with what the norm is. Um, So I think that that is interesting that that phrase sort of morphed into that, which I think is worse Right. And what it maybe originally was describing. Absolutely. And we'll get into wording and phrasing in a bit, but you're 100% right. There was this shift from queer men, gay men, queer people in, in you know, the broader sense, right. feeling like they were a part of society, you know, and then being a part of something different. Right, exactly. Like almost being accepted now into another piece of your identity like now you have you've broadened your community like you already had a community and now you've broadened it you've been welcomed into now this like additional way to express yourself right and then we see the shift into being hidden from everyone and needing to like claw your way out into this other society take take the responsibility to acknowledge your your difference right And so the closet part of the closet metaphor was added sometime later onto the coming out part, theorized to be an evolution of the skeletons in the closet metaphor, which Mm -hmm. refers to the shift of living in denial and secrecy by keeping their sexuality a secret. So that's kind of where Mm -hmm. we get the debutantes and that scene. And then later on, we're getting skeletons in the closet. We're seeing shame. And deviance. And and then it's merging together, which is where we then get coming out of the closet. Uh, What a horrible contraction. What a horrible confluence of of things. (laughs) And now that's what we live with. (laughs) Now, that was mainly etymology. In terms of history... I'm not going to necessarily speak about individual cases of people coming out in history because that's not so cut and dry. In a few weeks, an episode will be released where I talk about possibly the first man in the Western world to publicly come out. But as we know, there are many cultures in the world that historically have been more accepting and encouraging of fluid sexualities and genders. So it feels a bit pointless or like contrite to try and pinpoint the history of people coming out and giving the label to like the first person or (laughs) another. But for all intents and purposes of this next part, people who are in the minority for their genders and sexualities have been coming out of the sad closet for centuries, essentially. There are several pivotal coming outs that really helped shape the cultural zeitgeist on the perception and acceptance of queer people, such as Ellen DeGeneres' controversial coming out episode on her show in 1997, which was only 25 years ago. Mm. But nine years before that Ellen episode airs, in 1988, psychologist Richard Eichberg and gay rights activist Jean O'Leary found National Coming Out Day. This annual observance is intended to raise awareness of the queer community and its civil rights movement. The initial idea of National Coming Out Day, or NCOD, is grounded in the feminist and queer liberation ideology of the personal being political, with the most basic form of activism being coming out to family, friends, and colleagues and living life as an openly gay or lesbian person. 
from the Wikipedia page for the day. Quote, the foundational belief is that homophobia thrives in an atmosphere of silence and ignorance, and that once people know that they have loved ones who are lesbian or gay, they are far less likely to maintain homophobic or oppressive views, especially if they lived in developed countries, end quote. Mm -hmm. And so Richard and Jean choose October 11th, 1988, because it's the one-year anniversary of the 1987 National March on Washington for Lesbian and Gay Rights, which earned the AIDS activism group ACT UP its first national coverage. And the first national coming out day received participation from 18 states and then received 21 states' participation in its second year. By its third year, there was this massive media push, which garnered observation of the day in all 50 states and seven other countries. So it was like this giant Um, explosion of recognizing this day. And mm -hmm. NCOD is still observed in the United States, Ireland, Switzerland, the Netherlands, and the UK, just to name a few, every year. The annual observation is a reminder and a celebration of queer people who have come out of the closet already honoring the struggles and joys of freedom or autonomy that coming out can bring and has already brought to a lot of people. However, National Coming Out Day is also for those who aren't ready to come out or can't. Many people have been critical of National Coming Out Day, citing a sort of pressure put on people still, you know, quote unquote, in the closet, Mm -hmm. from its very inception to open up in situations that may put themselves in danger or some other awful situation like homelessness or incarceration. There's this idea that to be part of the queer community, you have to be open and totally out, right? There's this pressure for a lot of people between being ourselves and being open Mm -hmm. and safety. Right. Preston Mitchum, a Black and queer civil rights advocate, wrote an article for The Atlantic in 2013 titled, On National Coming Out Day, Don't Disparage the Closet. He writes, quote, Ultimately, coming out is important because it makes the LGBT community more visible, particularly for Black LGBT individuals. But focusing so intensely on coming out places the burden on the individual to brave society rather than on society to secure the safety of that individual. In the name of visibility, the victims of repeated discrimination are forced to ensure they are seen. Mm -hmm. There is no correct or incorrect way to be LGBT. We must respect the personal decisions individuals make regarding their sexual orientation, gender identity, and public declarations or lack thereof. And it's vital to appreciate the ways in which race, class, gender, disability, age, and lack of support can complicate the popular narrative of what it means to come out, end quote. Mm -hmm. There's also this argument that coming out is a response to compulsory heterosexuality. Adrian Rich, a poet and essayist, wrote in 1980 that the need to come out stems from the pressure to adhere to heterosexuality from birth. Straight people never have to come out as straight, and societal support of heterosexuality as the norm leads to homosexuality being viewed as an anomaly. Mm -hmm. So all of the points that you hit earlier are 1,000% correct. Thank you to my three women and gender studies classes in college. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) You are aware, and that's what being an ally is all about. (laughs) And I've been quoting left and right in this episode, but there are a lot of people with really good points that are too important to reword and exclude nuances and meaning. So here we go again. 
In the Mike.com article, we need to stop using the phrase coming out. Its author, George M. Johnson, writes, To come out gives the illusion that non-heterosexual people are not in. The phrasing emboldens heterosexuality as the norm, rather than an identity on a spectrum of identities. It makes straightness the dominant identity, giving this group power over those who don't identify as such. In this way, the words coming out are the residue of a system much like any other that works to oppress communities. This is especially the case for Black and queer people whose coming out can be fraught because of cultural stigma. End quote. So, as queer people, what can we do if we don't want to participate in coming out culture? I feel like that's a really big question after mm-hmm. everything I've just said. Yeah. Well, there are a few options which include not coming out at all, living your life and not owing anyone an explanation. Mm -hmm. That's kind of, that's number one. Okay. The second option, if you want to tell people, which is how I was and am, I want people to know. Instead Mm -hmm. of coming out, you can invite people in. Mm -hmm. Inviting in means you get to choose who you want to enter your life. You get the power and the decision to invite people in to know that part of you. Coming out gives the other person the opportunity to deny or accept you. Inviting Mm -hmm. in is doing so on your terms at your pace when you see fit. And saying, you can still deny or accept it. However, I am allowing you to do so. I'm not waiting for it to be done to me. Exactly. You can RSVP now, but I sent out the invite. Right, and that is okay, but that does not affect me in the way of me being like, I really exactly. need you to, to be here and an RSVP, yes. Yeah. And so kind of like you were saying before, there's a power in language. There's power in the language mm-hmm. you choose to use, so use it wisely. No longer is coming out an obligation for the sake of straight people, but rather a privilege for others to know you, a gift if you will. Mm -hmm. And for non-queer people, for the Rachels of the room, (laughs) if someone decides to invite you in, I'm going to implore you not to respond with something like, oh, I don't care, or like, oh, I've always known. That does two things. First, it centers the moment around you. It's not your moment. Secondly, it almost takes away the gravity and importance of the moment, sort of diminishing everything the queer person has worked up to. Coming out, or as we might want to call it, inviting in, isn't just about waking up and saying, wow, I'm queer and I I need to tell everyone. It (laughs) is a long journey. It takes years of realization before self-acceptance even comes, before you're even ready to tell other people. And honestly, self-acceptance a lot of the time doesn't even come until after, you know, this quote unquote secret identity has been revealed. So there's a few things to do. Don't undermine the moment for this queer person. Don't doubt them. Don't invade with personal questions about their sex or their genitals or anything that is truly none of your business. Don't overpower them. Allow them to speak. Listen to them. Respect them. Affirm them and their identity. Ask to clarify terms you may not understand. Thank them for sharing their identity with you. And when appropriate, ask how you can help them in navigating their identity then follow through. There's so many other avenues that this conversation can lead us to. But for now, I think this is a good place to stop. To recap, we discussed what it means to come out, the origins of the term and the genesis of National Coming Out Day, 
some controversies around the phrase and how we can reimagine the act altogether. I'm going to include the coming out handbook from the Trevor Project in our description, which is really comprehensive and great for those exploring their identities or those who may just want to know more in general. And that is the very brief but somehow very long (laughs) explanation (laughs) of coming out, what it means to come out, all that jazz. Thank you, Jared. I really appreciated hearing about that because I do think it is so deeply personal and really is an invitation. I love that phrasing. And I think that it must be such a difficult to navigate journey, as you phrased, like to decide when to come out and how to come out and if to come out and to who. And there's so many questions that Mm -hmm. you have to ask and answer of yourself. For a lot of people at a young age, which can be really hard, for even more people, probably like even after midlife, when maybe you think that you've done, you've had all of the identity crises you could possibly have. Surprise. (laughs) There's something that you have still been wrestling with and, and want to explore. And so I think that it really is an act of bravery and trust and such a beautiful way to invite people into your lives. Mm -hmm. So whether some of our listeners choose to come out or invite folks into their lives and their stories. I hope that you all at least get a chance to exercise some kind of Mm self-care and self-acceptance on this day, this week, always, regardless of your identity. Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. So thank you, everyone. Thank you. Stay safe and stay queer. Woo-woo! Thanks for tuning in to episode 33 of Historically Really Good Friends, where we talked about coming out slash inviting in. This is your weekly reminder that acknowledging the queerness of our history makes a non-existent present a little bit more fun. Please make sure to rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast wherever you listen to this week's episode. And to see photos about coming out, make sure to check out our Instagram at Historically Really, where we post all the photos from that week's episode. And if you'd like, you can send us your personal stories at historicallyreallygoodfriends at gmail.com or DM us right on Instagram. We hope to see you again next week. Goodbye. Goodbye.